The hot stove is kind of simmering a little right now. But do you know what team I'm actually kind of impressed with this offseason? The Royals. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and I'm getting ready to start my sixth season here at the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Follow us on Twitter or whatever it's called now, and on Instagram at Lockdown and Milby Pods. You can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. We're trying to get 1 billion subscribers. Please help us get to that point. We're several hundred million shy. And if you're one of the people who are listening to us, by the way, thanks so much for you know making us your first listen every day. If you are listening to us, Every day, if you leave a comment, someone make sure to have the hashtag every day Sully. So I know who's listening to us every stinking day. Hey, uh, this particular episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on well today and you'll probably notice if you saw the the youtube thumbnail or whatever you're listening to it i'm not flying solo today i'm bringing in a brand spanking new guest in fact he has that fresh new host smell he is the new star our new host of locked on royals making his first appearance on the show it's Jack Johnson. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great over here. It's obviously been a busy week, so no better time to hop on the show than now. Yeah, in fact, it, you know, I've been wanting to have, you know, I try to have as many of the hosts on as I can. And I was like, oh, I've not had the new uh, the new Royals host on. I'll get him on someday. And as you'll find out if you've not been following us closely, because if you've been subscribed to this podcast, you'll assume the only thing happening in baseball is the Shohei Otani contract. Um, the Kansas City Royals, your team, is having very quietly, but very significantly, a very good offseason. And one, you know, at the end of the year, like when the Diamondbacks were in the World Series or the Phillies were in the World Series last year, and someone looks around like, how the hell did that team sneak into the playoffs? Are the Royals going to be that team for 2024? We're going to find out soon. But first and foremost... We got to answer the trivia question. And Manuel Margot came over to Los Angeles in the trade where they brought in, um, what's his name, uh, the Glass now, uh, who I believe is in a full body cast, and they signed him to a, an extension. Margot came also in the trade, and the question was, what all-star 
did the Red Sox trade minor leaguer Manuel Margot for many, many years ago? Jack Johnson, do you know the answer to the question? Chev uh, Chelios does. Oh, man. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I, I, the name that comes to mind, I can't remember if they signed or traded for him, but would Adrian Gonzalez be the answer? Really, really good guess. That was a little bit before this. It was actually Craig okay. Kimbrell. They okay. traded for Craig okay. Kimber. Remember Craig Kimber was a Padre for about oh, yeah. an hour and a half, and they <laughs> traded for him, and there you go. No, uh, 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 Adrian Gonzalez was a, was after the, the 2010 season, led directly to the debacle of 2011. But, hey, um, before we jump into Kansas City, uh, I'm going to go over a couple things. I, I hinted the fact that the Dodgers pulled off the trade, that they traded Pepio and – uh, DeLuca, and they want to bring in Tyler Glasnow and Manuel Margot. Um, look at Tyler Glasnow is a very talented pitcher when healthy, but he's never healthy. And they've just signed him to a long-term deal where they're expecting him to throw more healthy seasons than he has in his entire career. Um, I know you're you're following a small budget team and and you know some of these moves are too rich for your blood. But when you see some of the moves like this, do you think this is the kind of thing that could backfire in a team like the Dodgers? You know, it's a great question in in regards to the Dodgers, but I think everybody knew even after Otani signed there that pitching was going to be a problem, right? They still needed to round out this rotation and you know they've got so many guys that have tremendous upside but haven't stayed healthy, right? Dustin Mays, one of them. Uh, you've got another guy in Walker Bueller. Who at one point, you're talking about a future ace, and then all of a sudden, he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Now, last now is another one of those guys, but I think they're just going into this saying, hey, if you get the healthy version of Tyler Glass now, he is that ace that can take you to the next level. Now, the kicker is Tyler Glass now is not that great of a postseason pitcher, which I think raises a lot of red flags, but right now, these are the big moves they need to be making. I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you are giving up young talent, but when did the Dodgers really need to ever fear about giving up young talent? The last one I can recall, of course, Jordan Alvarez when they made that trade. But overall, it's a team that can spend up there with anybody in the league. Uh, they can go out there and get whoever they want. And this is one of those moves. They said, we're not going to try to piece together this rotation with, you know, second tier guy or third tier guys. Tyler Glass now can be an ace. Just the big question is, can he ever stay healthy? Yeah, I'm just, I'm telling you, it's one of these things that I get, I would get nervous about because you're asking him to do something he doesn't normally do. Now, uh, the in the tale of two pitchers um, that I mentioned in a previous episode, that the Rangers acquired two injury-prone pitchers going into last year. DeGrom, who when healthy isn't one of the best pitchers in baseball, is the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. But I knew, and you knew, and we all knew he was going to get hurt. And the other pitcher they got was Yovaldi. And, well, he did spend a little bit of time in the IL. He wound up being – he wound up doing what the Dodgers hope they're going to get out of glass now, that they got the good, healthy year out of that. You give us one or two – you know, whatever happens in Yovaldi's contract, he did exactly what he was supposed to do in Texas. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the model that they better have for glass now. Like, okay, you're not going to be a – 250 innings eating pitcher. I don't think those exist anymore, but please pull a Nathan Uvalde. Please be healthy enough and win one or two games in October so that we can get any criticism off our back. Yeah. I mean, that, that is kind of the immense pressure right now on the Dodgers. I mean, even if they just would have gotten Shohei Otani alone, the pressure is 
yeah, you got to go win the whole thing now. You can't fall short even in the NLCS and say successful season because the Dodgers over the last 10 years or so, a lot of first place finishes, a lot of 100 win seasons. I think their worst season in the last like decade was 91 wins. And this team feels like the most star studded of the bunch. But yeah, you are going to need that guy who can anchor your rotation. And even if Tyler Glass now has maybe the exact same season that Nathan Avaldi had, I think you take that if the Dodgers get to the World Series and win it because whether he was great, elite, or average, but if they win the World Series, in my opinion, it's worth it if he can stabilize and anchor that rotation. You know, the, they've had uh, the combination of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman as teammates, which people thought was extravagant then before Otani. And they've combined for two hundred win seasons and one postseason game that they've won. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's the great equalizer. That's all anyone remembers. And of course, the big fish out there is Yamamoto. Um, I it, it sounds like the Red Sox are offering the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sky. The Yankees are offering the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sky. The Dodgers are. I stand by my prediction. I do think he's going to land. I think he's going to land in San Francisco. But remember, all my predictions are always wrong. So you got to keep that with a grain of salt there. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of at this point next to Snell, uh, the biggest fish left in the pond for the for the pitching market. I'm sure you could throw Marcus Stroman in there as a top tier guy, but not in the same stratosphere as those two. And with Yamamoto, I think the only red flag for me is if these these uh, years are true, 10, 11, 12 year contract, mm-hmm. you're giving that type of security to a guy who's never pitched in Major League Baseball like that, I think, is unprecedented territory. With Shohei Otani, of course, it was different. You're talking about a two-way player and maybe the most popular player to ever come out of Japan. With Yamamoto, I think he's going to be an elite pitcher. I think he's going to be just fine when he signs that big-time deal. But it's going to be whoever is willing to go that extra mile because right now I don't think it's necessarily just about the price tag. I think they want that big 10, 11, 12-year contract, which who is going to be that team? The Giants would be an excellent fit. I know we've heard a lot of Mets, a lot of uh, Yankees, a lot of Red Sox. We know those four are definitely going to be in the hunt there, but to me, it's the years for it, not so much the price tag. Well, look at, oh boy, oh, for my fans in Australia, I said, look at, so do a shot. There you go. Do a shot every time I say, look at. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about one of the, well, team may not have the deep pockets that the Cubs, the Mets, the Giants, and the Yankees may have, and the Dodgers but they have some big ideas and don't have some of the obstacles that some of those big market teams do indeed have. Hey, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Buccarinos if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get on the action. The app is so easy to use. as a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overrunners, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and send off this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. Oh, quick little thing to remind you, Locked On has launched the first ever 
24-7 national sports streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus national shows like this one covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay, well, we're here with Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson versus Sullivan would have been a hell of a boxing match uh, about 130 years ago. You are the new host of Locked On Royals. I don't know a thing about you. Are you in Kansas City? Are you uh, are, are you in Portugal? Where where the heck are you? And then tell us a little bit about you before we cannonball into the Royals off season. Yeah, I've I've lived in Kansas City my whole life. I'm based here now. I work in uh, sports radio up here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show over there on that channel. Um, also got a show on 1510 ESPN Kansas City. So we talk all things sports, pretty much my my world that revolves around sports. But uh, baseball has always been my thing. Baseball is my passion. Uh, whether the Royals, of course, win the World Series in 2015 or they have years like last year, passion doesn't really change for me. I love covering this team. And, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen them have an offseason like this, which, uh, of course, is kind of getting those competitive juices flowing again, not only just for me, but for everybody here in Kansas City. I'm old enough that I remember the George Brett years. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember when the Royals were one, one of the elite teams that you just expect them in the playoffs year in and year out. And and for those of you who don't remember, at the time, the Royals and the Yankees were actually one of the most heated rivalries in the sport. It was intense when Kansas City played the Yankees. And they seemed to face off in the, in the uh, American League Championship Series almost every year. Mm-hmm. And it was also a time when Ewing Kaufman owned the team and they used to spend money. I mean, one of the trivia questions I had just a few days ago was about the only time that the two Cy Young Award winners were from the previous season were teammates the next year. And that was when Mark Davis won the Cy Young Award with the Padres and was a free agent and signed with Kansas City to be teammates with Brett Saberhagen. Now, it didn't work, but uh, there was also a time when the single biggest high-profile baseball player, the most famous baseball player, uh, in America was Bo Jackson and Bo Jackson had, I mean, I, I actually feel badly for people who didn't see Bo Jack, the Bo Jackson era, because it was, you know, it was a pre social media world. So everything was done through highlight shows and ESPN and everything like that. But he was like Paul Bunyan. It was like a, a, he was a mythical character almost. And the way he would, he could play football at an elite level. He could play baseball at an elite level. When he hit home runs, they, they weren't just clearing the fence. They, you know, bombs the straightaway center. He would catch a ball and run up the side of the wall like Spider-Man. It was an absolutely marvelous time to be a baseball fan and to just be a Kansas City fan. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that Royals fans got the fun that they had in the middle 2010s. But let's go over what's happening right now because the Royals had a horrid season last night. There's no getting around it. No, let's not share code. They, they, they lost 106 ball games. So, you know, they you they probably will go up. But one thing they've been doing this offseason is they've been very quietly improving their pitching staff. And, Jack, why don't you go through and tell us a little bit your thoughts about some of the I think the very savvy moves that they've been making in this offseason. Yeah, I think you have to go back to about a month ago. They made a future type of move and trading Jackson Coar, who they were already going to non-tender. 
and got Kyle Wright in return. Mm -hmm. Of course, won 20-plus games for Atlanta. He's out for the whole year. But also, Jackson Kowar had one of the worst career numbers, I mean, of anybody pitching with with a you know minimal amount of innings. Like It wasn't just like he had one outing. I mean, you're talking about 40 to 50 career innings, and his ERA was north of nine. So J.J. Bacole in the front office said, hey, here's a guy that maybe down the road we can count on, but these are the type of moves that we have to – start acting on to make ourselves seem more savvy but not just with those moves we got to improve the 2024 roster and especially that pitching rotation because the royals in the central last year like offensively they weren't great nobody in the central was that great but they were second in average behind minnesota they were second in slugging second in ops it was the pitching staff that completely torpedoed everything for this team and so they go out there help out the bullpen a little bit with nick anderson they go get will smith you know, trying to anchor down some spots there. They get Matt Sauer in the Rule 5 draft from New York, who's got tons of upside. And then they go after some guys in the rotation. You know, Michael Walker, who they just recently mm -hmm. got. He was a big piece they were always rumored to be interested in. And Seth Lugo. I mean, he was a guy I predicted Kansas City to get in the offseason because last year they were interested. But Lugo, of course, took the deal in San Diego. This year, they didn't want him going anywhere else. They wanted Seth Lugo to come in. And the fact that you know, he'll probably be a number three behind Waka and Reagans. That makes Royals fans feel a lot better just about the floor of this team. Because what I think the goal was for 2024 in a very weak central, give yourself a chance. Raise the floor of this team where when they really are in a downward spiral, they, they're going through those slumps that every team has. They don't snowball into 10 or 11 or 12 game losing streaks like they would last year. It may only be four or five because instead of going to some for a guy on a Sunday getaway game, you could turn to Michael Walker. You could turn to Seth Lugo. And I think that was the big message. You got to raise the floor of this team if you want to get some support from the fan base. Yeah, and I think that if I'm a Royals fan, I'm very happy with what they're doing. I mean, they're not in – everyone knows they're not going to be into Yamamoto. They're not going to be into Shohei Otani. But they are not just shrugging and say, what you going to do? Hmm. And I, I love the right move. Because it was again, you made the great point. It cost them nothing. It cost them a guy they weren't even going to keep. Mm -hmm. And right a few years ago was basically pitched like an all star. Mm -hmm. And if he comes back in 2025 or, or into 2026 and is okay, I mean, I'm not talking about expecting to be a 20 game winner again. Mm -hmm. I don't really look at win loss, but that still sounds cool, a 20 game winner. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not expecting him to be an ace, but if he's okay, then you've picked up an okay pitcher for nothing. And you're bringing in Lugo. You know, Lugo is okay. You know, Waka is fine. And you you take a look at the, the pitching rotation they had this last year. Uh, you know, I mean, Reagan's had some some promise, mm -hmm. you know, and and uh, we all love Zach Grinky. We all want to hug Zach Grinky. Everyone else was rancid. Yeah. And okay and fine is better than rancid. So right away you could say, well, our worst part of it is is improved, and the fact they've developed they they're they've, they're developing a franchise player in wit. You know, Melendez was okay. I mean, he wasn't great, but he had some pop, and. They had a couple of the young players who showed up that you're like, okay, there's some pop here. There's some potential here. And Salvador Perez is the new Yadier Molina. You know, he's the uh, the Missouri-based World Series champion who's just, uh, you, you know, you can rely on. I, there's an element to this team 
that I look at and think, okay, at least they're trying. And let's say, you know, it's a disaster. Let's say things, you know, the rug pulled. You could deal Waka, and you could deal Lugo, and you could you can replenish the farm. Not that I necessarily think that's going to happen, but uh, I'm I, I'm all in on what they're doing. I think what they're doing is smart. Well, I mean, the the bittersweet thing that happened to them is the lottery system put them picking sixth overall, right? So the Royals lose 106. Two teams in their division that finished ahead of them, they're picking ahead of them. They're, Cleveland gets the number one overall pick, and Chicago gets the fifth, I believe it was. So the Royals looked at that and said, what's the incentive to lose anymore, right? If we can beat Cleveland, let's say we spend like we did. We win 76 games. We theoretically could get the number one overall pick. We need to stop playing the odds and the chance system because it clearly hasn't worked out the last two years. And you can get a good pick at six too. This isn't yeah, the end. Yeah. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the NFL. Yeah. I mean, freaking what was it? Trout was twenty third in the draft. I mean, like mm-hmm. you would, you know, bust out your 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 scouting department and get someone good. I mean, if if the first three picks go to like college pitchers and get the best high school player available. And come on, there's still someone really, there'll be someone really good there. And, you know, forget about passing Cleveland on the, uh, in this, you know, in the draft there, what else happened in the central? The twins lost gray. The twins lost a couple of solid pitchers. Cleveland's in full rebuild mode right now. Now, of course, we know how Cleveland rebuilds, that they'll pull in and suddenly they'll drag some guy out of their farm system who's a Cy Young contender. So I I, you, I sleep, at, you sleep on Cleveland at your own peril. But Detroit's not winning piddly-poo this year. And wait, who am I missing in the – did I just say all oh, the – the White Sox. Okay, the, I'm sorry. The, the White Sox and the Tigers aren't winning piddly-poo this year. The Twins may take a step back. You're not 100% sure what's going on with Cleveland. If I'm Kansas City, I'm looking around going, wait a minute. You know, 88 wins could win this division. And I've always wanted to see a team do this. I've And maybe Kansas City will be that team. I've always wanted to see a team that lost 100 and some odd games like, like KC did last year and just go to the free agent market when there's a bunch of guys just hanging around, not being signed, and just put a major leaguer at every position and roll the dice. That's almost what the Red Sox did in 2013, although, they, to be fair, they still had Ortiz, Pedroia, and John Lester. But I, I would love to see the Royals kind of do like, all right, any hole we have, let's put a major leaguer there. And if you know if they flame out or a minor leaguer takes their spot, fine. But why not? This is the central. You don't have to compete with the Dodgers. You don't have to compete with the Astros. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to tell a lot of fans out there is like when you take the Royals' chances and like Boston's chances competing against now Baltimore, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, like you'd absolutely want to be in the central. And plus with the Royals, they weren't tied up in any payroll. Like they had this flexibility for a long time. But going back to the old regime under Dayton Moore, the goal was they wanted to – Lose games, get high draft picks, get a lot of stars, you know, build it up the same way they did in 2013, 14, and 15, is that you got to lose, build a good farm system, they win together, then you go spend. That just doesn't happen in Major League Baseball anymore, especially not with the way the Royals won it back then, where the offense wasn't that great. It was just an elite bullpen, okay rotation. You have to be willing to spend to speed up this process, and the Royals have missed on so many draft picks 
over the course of 10 to 15 years. That's why fans are a little bit hesitant about the sixth overall pick. It's like there could be a good player there, but they almost never go to the Royals. Like Bobby Wood Jr. was second overall. Like it was an easy pick. He just fell right into their laps. When they have to go a little bit further, it can be a little bit risky. But they also brought in Brian Bridges, who came over from San Francisco, spent a long time in Atlanta. He's now helping with the scouting department. So that, I think, has already been a huge bonus. But for the immediate, for the now, and especially with the downtown stadium looming or where they want to go to, you got to show the fans that 106 losses, it's not acceptable. You have to make this team competitive. And I said back in June of last year, I'm like, they could lose 110 games. There is nothing about the Central that scares me for 2024. They can go sign a couple of guys for the rotation, help out the bullpen, get a corner outfield bat, and say, we trust Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, Michael Garcia, MJ Melendez, and say, you know, you start hot in April, which they never do, and then you can maybe stay in it by the All-Star break. Hey, that's good for a starting point for the Royals. But the Central, we know how bad it is. It's not good at all. It's anybody's game. Minnesota, as you just pointed out, they're still the favorite, and they should be the favorite. Sonny Gray walked away. Kent Maeda walked away. And they're not being as active. And typically over the last couple of years, with the exception of Carlos Correa, they haven't been that active. They've kind of been sitting back on their heels. They wait for things to happen. Cleveland, they pump out pitching talent, but offensively they weren't very good. Detroit spent with Javi Baez and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez a couple of years ago. Erod's now gone. They added in Kenta Maeda. They just got Jack Flaherty, Mark Canna. But the Central hasn't made a lot of big-time moves just yet. And for the Royals to raise the floor, no, I don't think they're going to win the division. But if you give yourself a chance, that's what everybody here in Kansas City wants. Go into April giving fans a reason to show up at the ballpark, support this team, and go, hey, we're not done by week two. Last segment with Jack Johnson. Quick question. You mentioned before, I've been to Kauffman Stadium. I love Kauffman Stadium. It was the only city that did the multi-stadium thing correctly by putting a football stadium next to a baseball stadium instead of a cookie cutter. All those other ones are torn down. Kauffman survived. But it sounds like they are going to be trying to move to downtown Kansas City. What's the story with the stadium situation there? Yeah, it is uh... – one that makes you pull your hair out because there's been so many conflicting reports of, you know, they want to move downtown, but they're not getting the support. Then North Kansas City is an option. Then maybe moving the team to Kansas is an option because, of course, they're on the Missouri side. Like all of these things factoring in, like there hasn't been a ton of progress publicly made yet. And it hasn't made matters great that the team's kind of 106 losses, which is when the Royals were really trying to push this. It was like, why should we pay for a downtown stadium? when they're not even putting money on the field to win baseball games. So that part uh, definitely caused a lot of tension. But as of right now, I think the goal is still to move downtown, get a, a spot for a ballpark downtown, because the revenue is going to shoot up for this team. Like right now, I love Kauffman Stadium. It's a beautiful ballpark right next to Arrowhead Stadium, the Truman Sports Complex. But there's nothing else around there. There's nowhere yeah. to go. If the team's yeah, getting blown up, you got to go home. Yeah, and it he, is. I, yeah, driving out there, it was, it was a beautiful place to see a baseball game. But uh, the only thing around it was the, those bands with the guys with the banjo, and that's it. So if you want to have any walking around situation, the, it's a highway. It's it's like it's at the and it was the right place to build a ballpark then. Yeah, but it's not a, where ballparks are now. There's a Denny's across the highway if you're into grand slams and stuff. Like oh, that. that's right. Well, then forget it. Let's just stay coffee. <laughs> yeah, stay, stay, stay there just for the Denny's alone. But 
downtown has a, a beautiful bar district, power and light district. Mm-hmm. That's right next to now that the, the T-Mobile center used to be the sprint center where they had the big 12 tournament. So there's things to do down there. And people yeah. are like, man, if we go to a game, we can make a day out of it. We're spending money at power and light. We're going to the game. Hey, they win. We're going back to power and light. We're going out to dinner before the game. And I think that's what John Sherman and the Royals ownership envisions happening. But first things first for a lot of fans, like they want to see winning. If you right. can win, we'll support this downtown stadium. But I always say, hey, this is years down the road. You need to get it confirmed now. But like the team could be a winner three, four years down the road. They're not moving this team right now downtown. Like it's going to take some time. And hopefully this year, if winning comes, more support comes with that. All right. We'll look at it's been a lot of fun having you on the show today, Jack Johnson. And let's do today's trivia question, and we'll keep it Royal-centric. And here's the question. The all-time hits leader for the Kansas City Royals is obviously George Brett. He got 3,154 hits. Here's a trivia question. Don't you answer this, Jack. Which Royals Hall of Famer, not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Royals Hall of Fame, is the only other Royal in their history to reach the 2,000-hit barrier. George Brett's the only one to get to 3,000. Only one other reached 2,000. That's your trivia question. There have been a lot of great Royals players, a lot of great Royals hitters. Think about who got to 2,000. Put the answers down here on YouTube or on Twitter, whatever the hell it's called now. And a quick reminder that Locked On has launched the first-ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with local experts like Jack and the national shows like me. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first-ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Talking about KC and not the barbecue with Jack Johnson from Locked On Royals. This has been Locked On MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.